as I'm looking around, all of a sudden we hit a rock and the the boat the the uh, the raft starts to turn over i'm still holding on and i'm saying hold on don't let go whatever happens don't let go but the way the sh the raft is twisting it's in a way that either i let go or my arm is going to break on this episode we're going to talk about why rafting on a level six river is illegal what it feels like to be in the zimbabwe rivers wash and rinse cycle and why it's a good idea to seek experiences and tours from reputable outfitters come on in the water's just fine You're listening to the Travel Horror Stories Podcast, a show that listens to real stories from travel bloggers and travelers just like you. Then we unpack those stories to discuss safety tricks, prevention treats, horror hacks, and follow-up tactics. The goal is to turn travel nightmares into dreams of beaches, sunshine, and margaritas. And now, live from the Rudderless Travel Show in downtown Toronto, Canada, Here's your host, Christopher Rudder. So the weather outside is just crap. It's uh, it's Canada. It's cold. It should be better right now, but that's the, the latest on the weather. But all that said, I'm so glad that you guys are sitting down and or running or walking. But if you're doing something else, washing the dishes while you're listening to the podcast, I'm so glad you're here. And before I introduce our guests, I'd like to remind you that you can listen to this show over at TravelHorrorStoriesPodcast.com. And if you're listening on your mobile device, please take a second to give the episode a five-star rating and leave a comment. It really helps the episode grow, or the show grow, rather, and we could use all that little bit of support. In the hot seat with me today is Telic Dantes. Yeah, you got it. That sounds very Spanish. Are you, you're, are you, it's actually Klingon. <laughs> Seriously, oh my, gosh, I love that. my mom was a fan of of, uh, of Star Trek, and uh, she uh, saw that that name meant success, and she wanted me to be successful in life, so she gave me that name. That's wicked! Oh my gosh, that's that's awesome. Okay, Talik, I I love it. That's it's Thank really you. cool. It's a really unique name. I, I think it's awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about your blog. Okay. I've been traveling all my life. Um, I, actually, before my life, my mother came from Cuba to the United States to New York City when she was pregnant with me. I've been traveling ever since. She had a travel agency and she travels a lot on business. She took me with her. Um, I always loved different cultures. I remember that my mother had a big map on her travel agency wall and I would look at it and imagine what life would be like in all of these different places. And I was determined to go and see them. Uh, I went to school overseas, uh, in Italy where I picked up Italian, which was pretty, a lot easier for me than perhaps for other people because Spanish is my native language and Italian is very similar. Um, then I went into business and I started as an international sales rep with a sporting goods company and I covered Latin America. So I got to, to visit all of the countries there and I stayed in international business uh, along the way. I got a, a master's in uh, an MBA in international business as well. And I worked and lived overseas, uh, four years in Mexico, um, about uh, a year in, in London, a year in Spain, 
Dominican Republic, a year in Colombia. And uh, my most recent travel on business was in China for where I worked on and off in Beijing for about eight years uh, and absolutely loved it. And uh, I've since then left the corporate world and started a travel blog called Travels with Talik. And it is designed for adventurous and curious travelers who like, who love authentic travel experiences, like not the tourism type, and food and a little bit of comfort when they travel. And that's mm -hmm. where I am now. Wow. So you are literally, it's almost like me, like my last name, uh, Rudder, is actually, it's what's on the back of a ship. So right, I think yeah. I was... Yeah, so that's why the, my blog is called Rudderless, as in no rudder. I noticed that, and I, I remember thinking that how appropriate and how witty. So congratulations <laughs> on a really good name. Awesome. Thank you. So, yeah, so I get that. It's, it's like really like that travel thing is really like like literally <laughs> your mom is traveling. In, in your she, DNA, right. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it's, it's really cool. Um, all right, so let's play, let's play a little game. Okay. We're going to play... Uh, three stories, two truth, one lie. You're going to tell me three stories. Two of them are going to be true, and I'm going to try to guess which one is a lie. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me have it. All right. Here's one. Uh, I was working in Beijing, and I was in a part of the city that I wasn't familiar with. I, and I always used to love to get massages in the Far East because it's, it's a lot cheaper and they're very good. And the place that I usually go to, which is called Dragonfly, it was pretty far away. So I said, well, let me try someplace new. And I remembered seeing a sign with a bunch of well, women that looked like they were masseuse uh, in, in the window. And I said, OK, well, this, this looks a little bit different, but hey, why not? So I went inside and I, I explained to the woman, nobody spoke English. I explained to her, I mimed with my hands making massage, you know, uh, signs that I wanted a massage and then she goes into the hallway behind this beaded curtain and starts asking talking with another woman I mean like, what is this in Chinese you could hear this animated conversation finally she comes out some with somebody else asking me again what I want and I again explain to her in the best way that I could mime so she takes me into a room she gives me a massage I pay for it. the massage was pretty mediocre you know but I figure okay I won't come here again uh, I paid her I went home um, the next day, we're in the office and we're talking about what we did over the weekend. And I said, well, I went to get a massage. And I said, oh, wow, you went all the way down to Dragonfly? I said, no, I went to this place that's a couple of blocks away from here. They said, well, point it out. All these guys are Chinese that I'm having this conversation with. They said, oh, point it out to us. I pointed it out. Turns out that I had gone to a brothel. And it was a, you know, a nice middle-class brothel. <laughs> And they gave me a massage and I went home. But now I understand why everybody was so confused and, you know, having these conversations with each other. That's what. This is, this is not our usual clientele, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Now here's another one. I was in Tokyo and uh, I uh, got, I, Tokyo is not the, it's easy in one sense to get around and in another sense it's a little bit difficult when you're taking the trains because they have two separate train systems. I got on the wrong one. I ended up, you know, who knows where. I tried to get back. And unfortunately, the Japanese are very, very helpful. And it took me about an entire day. It took me like from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. to get where I was going. By then it was too late and I just went home. So I spent the whole day lost in Tokyo. That's another one. Um, <laughs> that sounds see. like the name of a movie, Lost in lost Tokyo. Lost in Tokyo. Lost <laughs> in Translation is the name of one. Let's see. 
Here's another one. I was in Brazil and I was working and I had to take a customer of mine who happened to be an Orthodox Jew to a restaurant. Um, so I got the name from somebody. I got confused with the name and I took him there and it said, oh, this place is really good. You're going to love the food. It came highly recommended by all the Brazilians there. I get there and I see that the name of the restaurant is called Porcão, which means pork. And the only thing, the only meat that they served were different variations of pork. Meanwhile, I'm with this Hasidic Jew that's all dressed in black with the payas and oh, no. taking him into this, this restaurant. The guy was so nice. He actually went in. He sat down. He went to the salad bar, served himself like all kinds of salads there. And he was just made, he was laughing about it. He thought it was hysterical. I mean, he really made me feel comfortable in a moment that really could have been devastating because this was a, one of my better customers. Okay, oh, wow. which is true? Which of these are true? Which of this is a lie? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go with, and I mean, I, I hope, I mean, I don't know. I would love for it to be true. I'm just going to take a wild guess. Uh, uh, but I'm just going to say that the massage parlor story is the lie. No, that is completely true. Oh, and they're man. still laughing about it in Beijing today. <laughs> <laughs> and they oh tell everybody, they repeat that story over and over again. Now they're telling their kids about the, the crazy American that went to the brothel. So this story is going to be legendary. But it is true. It is true. The lie is having gotten lost in Tokyo. I got lost, but it was in Beijing. Oh, man. Ah, so this this game is getting harder and harder. It's it so does, much fun right? to play, yeah, but but sometimes the obvious ones are the are the right ones, or sometimes the obvious ones are the wrong ones. So I just thought the the getting lost just seems so like I mean anyone can get lost. Yeah, well so, I did uh, get lost. I just changed the cities to, to confuse city, yeah. you. <laughs> ah, well it worked. Well played. Well played. What would you do if while whitewater rafting on a river in Zimbabwe, your raft hits a rock and tips over? Suddenly, you find yourself choosing between letting go of the raft and drowning or breaking your arm, making it difficult to swim. Uh, so this, which uh, country were you in? I was in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, right. So um, so what, 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 what brought you to Zimbabwe? <laughs> well, what brought me to Zimbabwe is a lifetime fascination with Africa and all things African. And the culture, the music. Um, oh, I just thought the next time I play this game with somebody, I just remembered something that happened to me in, in, in Senegal that nobody will guess, <laughs> right? But anyways, thank you for, bringing, for reminding me. Um, <laughs> If it's a travel horror story, I want dibs on it. I'll bring you back as another. No, guest. no, it's a it's a pleasant story. It's a pleasant uh, story. Okay. Then we don't want it. Okay, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we were always interested in Africa, and of course, um, Victoria Falls is one of the most spectacular places. I mean, it's a uh, it's a one of the seven wonders of the natural world. It was declared a, a world heritage site in 1989. It's it's just you have to absolutely see it. So we get there and um, we're looking at it. And my frame of reference for uh, waterfalls had always been Niagara Falls, which is big and it's impressive. So when I saw Victoria Falls for the first time, 
totally blew me away because there's no comparison between that and Niagara Falls. They're very, very different. Uh, the Victoria Falls, it's part of the Zambezi River. And when you look at it from, from various different angles, it's as if the Zambezi River was just going down and all of a sudden it falls into a crack in the earth. It's wow. just an amazing perspective. And the place is so beautiful because the water is, uh, as it's falling, it creates that big, um, uh, big mist and which is very, very thick and very white. And then you've got the green of the area and also the blue of the sky. So that color combination is just amazing. And wow. we were just going to see the falls. I needed a couple of the nice restaurants and, and that was it. And we had absolutely no intention of going whitewater rafting, much less on the Zambezi River that we really didn't know anything about it, although we like water whitewater rafting because we had done it in the United States and also in Costa Rica. So we're walking around and we go into a place to get something to drink, a little store, and there's a little sign there. It's kind of like crooked and it looks like washed out. And it says, oh, go whitewater rafting. And we figured, wow, we didn't even think of this. Let's do this. It sounds so cool. So we do. We follow the instructions, which takes us to a little clearing. Um, and there's about 30 people there. And some guy comes up to us and he says, oh, okay, you're here for the rafting. Yeah, you know, I mean, everything seems normal. And, and they ask us to sign these release forms. And um, we figure, okay, we do that in the States too. You know, that's cool. That's fine. So then the, the guy starts giving us instructions and he shows us the, um, the, the light, the safety uh, equipment, which didn't look like it was brand new. It looked like it had been down on a couple of, of, of river trips already, but we figured, okay, oh, that's no. fine. <laughs> he introduces us to our guide, whose name is Banu. Banu is like six feet tall. And he it has not an ounce of fat on him. He's like pure, pure muscles. And he looked like he had an air of that. He really knew what he was doing, which gave us a, a lot of confidence. So we're, we're there. Okay, cool, cool. We're, we're Banu. I mean, we're cool. We're cool. So we continue we've, uh, to beyond a little bit beyond the clearing. And they uh, tell us, okay, take the rafts. You have to carry your own rafts, which we did. We've also done that in places like Costa Rica. That's fine. So... We uh, take the raft, we put it on the river, we get on, and, oh, just before this, he's giving, while well, he's giving us the instructions, he's saying, okay, this is how you sit on the raft, this is how you pull somebody in if you have to, all of these instructions, this is how you paddle, make sure that, that your life vest is tightly, uh, is tightly wrapped around you. And then he says one thing that he made us repeat several times. He says, whatever you do, if you tip over, and you very well might, because he's a tough rapids, you cannot let go of the raft. Just hold on. Do not let go. Whatever happens, do not let go. And then he asks us all, what happens if the if the, the raft tips over? And everybody repeats, we do not let go. Like like little children in school. We will not let go. <laughs> like, oh, fine. So that's, you know, that's simple enough. So we shove off. And after about 15 minutes, Banu turns around and tells me, like, like, if, like it's a joke. He says, like, oh, we need some level six rapids on the Zambezi River. So level six rapids are illegal. The most you can have is five. People generally wow. do four. My five is like for super experienced people, but six is illegal anywhere that I've known of. And I told uh -huh. him that and he says, oh, no worries, no worries. You know, it's cool, it's cool. So, you know, it didn't really fill me with confidence at this point because we are not professional rafters at all. We're like right. little yeah. tourist guys. 
So we went and um, we're going down and usually we're going down the river and usually it takes some time, a little bit of time before you get into the big rapids. It usually goes two and then three and then maybe back to two. And then finally you'll hit like a four and you'll pretty much stay there. A five is pretty rare. And the six, again, is you never do it. It's, it's not allowed. Um, so we didn't even wait uh, uh, any long period of time before hitting the big rapids. We hit them immediately and we tipped over and, you know, they were very professional. They, they grabbed us. We, everybody followed the instructions. We got back on the, on the boat, on the raft, but it was a very, very frightening experience. And the rapids were very, very tough. And we were thinking, Oh my God, like if it's going to be like this, forget it. So just as we're like catching our breath, we see in the distance that there is a huge mist of water and we're wondering what this is. And all of a sudden it dawns on us that it's a rapid, but it's a really big one. And it looks like you can tell from the mist that this is a six and it's like inconceivable. And we have no time to think. We have no time to do anything but to prepare. And, and you can't even say, okay, forget it. I'm out of here. I'm going back. You know, turn it because you're on a raft going like, I don't know how many miles an hour. And we know that we're going to tip over. So like we hold on, everybody grabs on. You're not even paddling at this point. You go over, you literally go over a cliff and the, 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 we landed upright, which was amazing. And as I'm saying, I'm wondering to myself, I can't believe that we actually landed upright. I turn around to see how far we had fallen. And it seemed like a mile. Of course, it wasn't. But it seems like how, how far because we were in the air dropping for a long time. As I'm looking around, all of a sudden, we hit a rock and the the boat, the, the, uh, the raft starts to turn over. I'm still holding on. And I'm saying, I'm looking that, that this is just very, very difficult maneuver here. But I'm remembering, hold on, don't let go. Whatever happens, don't let go. But the way the, sh the raft is twisting, it's in a way that either I let go or my arm is going to break. And I know oh this. I actually know my arm is going to break. And I actually, in the seconds that this is happening, this is all, I, I think about it now, many years later, and it's in slow motion, but at the time it's happening, it's like in a nanosecond, you're making, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I can either hold on and break my arm, but then I'm going to, how am I going to swim with a broken arm, or I have to let go and risk drowning in this oh. level six. So I actually made the decision to let go. And when I did, everything just fast forward. I mean, we were just caught in this whirlpool. My, our clothes were torn off, not all of them. Our shoes were torn off. It was just amazing how strong the water is at this point. And I finally, as we're trying to get up, I'm pushing with my legs, trying to, to, to reach. We're under, underwater at this point, and I'm trying to, to break the surface, trying so hard. But as hard as I tried, the water kept pulling me down. And then I started to think, oh, my God, I have got a few seconds more. Either I get out of here in the next few seconds or I am dead. I am dead. And I remember saying to myself, how sad. I don't want to die here. Yeah. Now I'm like, well, really? I mean, in Zimbabwe in a river, like that's so sad. I was just resigned, but it was a feeling of sadness that came over me. Then all of a sudden, I managed to break up and to break uh, the water and the surfaces. And I'm looking around and I'm saying, okay, where's the boat? Where's the boat? I'm looking and I see in the distance that the uh, uh, Banu is pulling people into into the boat and there's onto the raft and there's this other guy that's holding. He never let go. 
And he's looking at me, but he's getting farther and farther away. And there's another rapid coming. And I'm so exhausted. I can't even make it to the to the raft. And, um, and I can tell from the guy's face that he's saying to himself, if I let go, the same thing is going to happen to me. If I don't let go, this woman's going to drown. So the guy actually oh. let go. He reached oh, out. No. He grabbed me. And between one thing and another, we got it. We got back in. We made it. Uh, there was a guy with a with a, a big gash on his forehead. He's bleeding profusely. Finally, we make it to shore, and and uh, I had no shoes. The water had torn my shoes off, so I had to grab Banu in between he and I. We made it all the way to the top, and uh, <laughs> and that was it. That's the story. So we think about it today. My husband and I, he was with me, and we say, well, at least we're not drowning in the Zambezi. It's kind of like a joke oh. at this point. But that was it. <laughs> That's my story. But having oh to decide my. between breaking your arm, deliberately allowing your arm to break, or the very good possibility of drowning, that was a scary moment. Oh, my gosh. Wow. What an incredible story. <laughs> I love that. That's. I mean, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but... Wow. This segment is brought to you by GPS My City. Do you love exploring cities on foot at your own pace? Well, GPS My City's mobile apps, available on iOS and Android, feature self-guided city walks and GPS-powered travel articles written by travel bloggers and travel content creators for over 1,000 cities worldwide. Visit the link in the show notes to learn more. All right, let's break this down. There's a couple of questions I wanted to ask. I was taking some notes um, while you were talking. So, uh, first of all, uh, with the six being illegal, like six rapid, is that is that a worldwide thing? Like, yes. Is that all yes. around the world? Yes. Six are illegal. Yes. Okay. So yes. the first lesson is if someone tells you, let's go raft, they get a six. No, no, that's no. Illegal. But that was, <laughs> we, we were already on. We, there's no way to go back. No, I know that. I know that. But... He, so he told you that it was six while you were on the raft, not before. That's correct. Oh, damn. No, if it wow. was, if somebody had told me it's six, I would have walked away, of course. Okay, so 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 just for people to know, if you're if you're lucky enough and they tell you what the what the number is, know that six is like illegal. Five is the highest. So and it really depends on your rafting skills whether you want to do five or not. Um, I think correct. that's that's. I, that's actually very bad that he didn't tell you that it was that he told you a six when you were already on the boat and can't get out or on the raft rather. And I can't think get that out. what happened to this guy and for the whole organization is that these guys, you could tell they were born and raised on the river. And he was like a goat or like a fish on the water or a goat climbing on the rocks. Like to him, a six is nothing. Yeah, and yeah. I guess he thought that, hey, you know, we can handle it. And and he did. I mean, everybody was alive, but, you know, one guy got hurt. But it was it was risky. It was very risky. Like, we could have yeah. drowned. Yeah, the, I, I could see that happening. I mean, they, they live there. They know, like, for him, probably a 10 would be considered dangerous. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, so, okay, so coming on that note then, um, was there any kind of – uh, precautions or any kind, or not precautions, repercussions rather, with regards to you, because this is obviously a tour company. So, um, was there anything like any repercussion, like anything that happened after the fact? Like, did you get any kind of money back? Like that guy that that ended up with a cut, like um, did insurance cover that? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, was there any repercussions? Because 
clearly, like, just because he can handle a six, I mean, that obviously is not legal. So, was there any? You know what I think? I think that these guys were just a bunch of guys that decided to get together and say, "Hey, we got a couple of rafts. Why don't we try and get some tourists to go on the river?" Ah, so it's not even so the entire. The the entire operation is completely not like sound. No, like, no, and these okay. were just a bunch of guys. I mean, I look back and you know the the, the sign that they had plastered, um, everything the the equipment, uh, the fact that we were on a six at all. Um, these are just a bunch of guys trying to get some money together. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, with regards to like, how does it? How did it feel? Um, cause I mean, you lost your shoes, like, like the water is taking your clothes off, like, uh, to give, I mean, that sounds crazy, but how, like, how does that feel? Like, is that like being hit with like a super high power hose kind yeah, of thing? Like that's exactly a what firefighter like. would use? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. exactly what it feels like. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And those moments when you're being tossed around in the water, like, all you're seeing is just water. Just and- water. That's uh, uh, imagine a blender or something like that. You know how the water gets all all um, uh, misty and bubbly. That that right. and white we, kind and, of yeah. yeah okay, yeah. that's the yeah. only thing we were seeing. So during that time, like like you don't know whether you're up or down, whatever. So you're just hoping that you will be able to get air at some point. Yeah. Well, I knew that I was down, and I knew that I had to get up. I don't know how I knew that initially. Then after a few seconds, I looked up and I saw light. And, oh my I, gosh. and I said, okay, well, that's, that's light means up, you know, so that's air. Wow. All right. Okay. So <laughs> what do you feel that you did um, right? Uh, what do you feel that you did wrong? And what did you feel that you, sh- you could have done differently? Okay. I think wrong was going but not researching the organization beforehand i should have perhaps gone to the local tourism bureau and said hey you know we want to go white water rafting the thing is that we hadn't planned for it we just you know it was just that when we saw the sign we said hey let's do this we had never even thought about it like this is cool right um so probably what i should have if i wanted to do it gone to a a reputable um organization and said hey what are the organizations that specialize here that you can recommend that you know are legal and you know whatever that is probably what i should have done well is definitely what i should have done what i should not have done is gone without with anybody without asking any questions just because i thought it was fun um And what I could do different is precisely that, like a research before, research the outfitter beforehand and maybe right. do a couple of comparison shoppings. And, and now the thing is that the internet was not such a big deal back then. You know, it is. That's, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it wasn't. So but now you can compare, you can go to TripAdvisor, you can go anywhere, you know, Pinterest and, and, and compare different outfitters and also get, uh, users' um, experiences get their uh, get their reviews. User reviews. I, I really get into reviews. I, I put more trust in reviews than I do to to other uh, other evaluation techniques. So that's what I would do today. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow, because that was going to be my next thing with the internet was because um, yeah, it's a local outfit. 
And the thing about when you're traveling, sometimes you don't know. Like sometimes the local outfits could be the best, right? Yeah. So it's just very difficult to gauge that. So my thing was that if they were trying to promote their business, then um, if you had internet, then you could it's easy for you to to pull out your phone and do like a quick search and see yep. uh, if there's any Facebook groups that are completely against these people <laughs> or if there yeah. is there any kind of like information. But if you didn't have internet at that time, then it's very, uh, I mean, there's no way of knowing that. Yeah. Um, but you did touch upon some other great points. Uh, nowadays, you could definitely look that up. Um, I too follow uh, reviews a lot as well with regards to uh, anything from choosing an experience uh, or adventure, or even right down to choosing my Airbnb, uh, stuff like that. Like I'm always reading to see what people are saying. Uh-huh. Uh, cause honestly they really have no reason to lie. I mean, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so I think that's a very good takeaway is definitely reading reviews. Um, and then, uh, if that's something that you, now you said that you were just, that was just something you just decided to do cause you wanted to have fun, but, uh, moving forward, like, it, like if you, that was something that you were planning on doing, then you definitely would have looked into a uh, like go to a tourism board or find some sort of uh, reputable uh, uh, white white water rafting yeah outfitter yeah um, wow <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> that uh, this is literally one of the the best stories I've heard and and you told and I love how you tell it because like I could totally picture everything that you're saying. And, and, and that's the reason why I love having tra- travel bloggers on this show, because when they're retelling their story, they get so visual and anyone listening to it can really picture uh, what's happening. So uh, well done. Uh, and thank you so much for sharing the story. Now, how can people uh, find you on the internet? Okay, well, I am at travelswithtalic.com. Uh, I am at, uh, that's my blog. I've got a Facebook group, Travels with Talek. I have got a, uh, my Twitter account is Travels Talek. And my Instagram is uh, Travels Talek as well. Awesome. I'm going to include all that stuff uh, in the show notes so people can find you. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that story. It's been such a pleasure having you as a guest on this. Thank you so much. You've been very kind and I've enjoyed this tremendously. Thank you for inviting me. All right. Case closed. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget that you can listen to the show over at www.travelhorrorstoriespodcast.com. And if you're listening on your mobile device, please take a second to give the episode a five-star rating and leave a comment. It really helps the show and its episodes get discovered by more people. Plus, your feedback will help me tweak and change the show to make it the best show on the internet. Yes. Cheers. Cheers.